Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. All right, so a little bit of a note up front. We're going to be heading to, well, the Global Awakening YouTube channel, and we're going to be listening to a portion of a message delivered by so-called Apostle Samuel Rodriguez, or Sammy Rodriguez, it doesn't matter. Uh, either way, what we're going to note here is, is that uh, I want to let you in on a little secret, if you would, and that is if you haven't figured it out, what this well, YouTube channel really is about, it's about getting you to hear God's word, what it really says, to teach you, to equip you so that you will not be deceived regardless of the false teacher that comes along. So we, we hand select important people and sometimes unimportant people, but always and again, you'll note what we do here. We highlight what they're doing or what they're saying and how it contradicts what the Bible really says. And by doing that, what we're doing is we're, <clears throat> pardon the, the politically incorrect way of putting this, we're vaccinating you against the uh, future virus heresies that are out there and even the ones that are out there running amok in the church. So at, today, as we uh, hold Samuel Rodriguez out and demonstrate a technique that is used by him, as well as many other notable false prophets and false apostles and false teachers. Note then that if you can learn how to spot the technique, it doesn't matter who the person employing it is. You can then be, well, inoculated. You are vaccinated. You have immunity against this Bible-twisting technique, and you know that anybody who is habitually and chronically twisting up God's word like this, that you can mark them and avoid them Two. So that being said, let's consider the actual technique that we're going to be looking at here. Samuel Rodriguez is going to open up, you know, and kind of spewing prophetic nonsense, but he's going to claim to want to open up the scripture that God, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And this is the message that God, the Holy Spirit wanted him to deliver. And so he's going to open up to the gospel of John chapter nine, which by the way, happens to be one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. It is so amazing what this thing really says. So, well, obviously along the way, we're going to whirl up the desktop and we're going to take a look at this passage in context. And that that's always kind of the secret sauce here at Fighting for the Faith. It's the actual scripture <laughs> and what it says and what it really means. But what Sam Rodriguez is going to do, this is a Bible twisting technique where he'll read out a portion of scripture and even add, you know, some context to it. But here's the thing. He's going to completely ignore what it says and what it really means. And what the point is that the apostle John was making in recording that particular portion of scripture, in fact, his entire gospel. And so as a result of it, this particular Bible twisting technique is akin to using the Bible as a springboard. You think, you know, the Olympics, you know, at the Olympics, you know, they, they have those people who are divers and, you know, and so they, they come out onto the board and they go bing, bing, and then they do the flip 
slip and the somersault and this and then they make that tiny little splash and then people hold up their cards and give them a score yeah so here's the thing what he's going to do is the bible for him is a diving board he's just going to make sure that he's you know that he bounces on it so that you go whoa this is a biblical sermon no it's not because then what he's going to do is after springboarding off of the bible he's going to twist the scriptures badly and make it say things it doesn't say or even mean all under the name under the auspices of all oh, the holy spirit and the holy spirit is still speaking and all nah nah so when you see others using this technique mark and avoid them as well even if you're watching this video two decades after my death don't worry the same technique is being used by false teachers in your day. Learn how to spot it based on this video and then mark and avoid whoever the popular person is that's twisting up God's word in your day that's doing this. Yeah, I think you get the idea. So all of that being said, let's whirl up the desktop here. And I didn't get a chance here. That That's uh, that's St. Paul's and the Millennium Bridge, one of my favorite photos that I took from a few years ago. Oh, well. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're heading over to Global Awakening. And this was from the Voice of the Prophets, Session 6, Samuel, Apostle Samuel Rodriguez. And again, it's not merely about Sam Rodriguez. There are many other people today doing this exact thing, using the Bible as a diving board and distracting you from what it says to basically try to springboard and make them make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. So let's take a listen. Here we go. All right, all right. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to get right into the word. And, and I just, you know, I asked the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to share as we come out? This is a... So note, he begins with, I asked the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to share? Sounds so humble, so pious, right? Well, you'll note that God's word makes it clear. God, the Holy Spirit, has already spoken 2,000 years ago that he wants in his church pastors and preachers who will rightly divide, rightly handle the word of truth. So God, the Holy Spirit, spoke this 2,000 years ago. I hope he was listening. If he wasn't, never worry about things like that because it's written down in case he missed it. So. The voice of the prophets, it's a prophetic gathering, and, and we're coming out of this interesting... Uh, mm -hmm, that's a crazy nervous laugh. That, that's not the last time you're going to hear cuckoo it. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puff year and last 14 months and everything around it, and it's like... Well, yeah, Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore, but where are we going? And where are where are we going? Well, that that's you know, apparently he thinks a prophet's a fortune teller. Where are we truly? So I want to share with you from John chapter nine, and there are all my friends that are in here and Sean's John chapter nine. Again, one of my absolute favorite portions of scripture. Man, that's my buddy, that's my brother. That's I mean, just wow. And we even live in the same region and he, he, he thinks he's black, he's Puerto Rican, and that's revelation, brother, receive that. All right, and his, his amazing wife, I love him indeed, indeed, indeed. John chapter nine, and all the other speakers, I'm honored to be with you. Let me just share with you what the Spirit of God placed on my heart. It's an interesting... So again, he read it. Spirit of God placed this on his heart. No, he didn't, because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has revealed that pastors are to rightly handle the word of truth. They are not to twist it. story, I'm gonna illustrate it. I was a high school teacher in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for five years. 
So I'm still fully committed to illustrating because you're going to walk out with that illustration, hopefully in perpetuity, embedded in your mind and in your heart. Verse one, as Jesus was walking, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. You need to underline that part. He was born blind. Verse number six, then Jesus spit on the ground. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we're, we're, we're playing hopscotch here. So you just hopscotched, right? So, I mean, your uh, conference speech is going to go on for about an hour. Uh, do you not have enough time to read verses 2, 3, 4, and 5 so that we can hear this in context? Verse 1, saw a man born blind. Verse 6, Jesus spit in the mud. Now note, by taking out those verses that he hopscotched over, he's wrestling this passage away from what it is intended to convey. And there's vital contextual information there that he intentionally decided to leave out. Bad sign, by the way. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That's messy, by the way. He made mud with the saliva, which is even more messy, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes, which, wow. Verse seven, then he told them, go wash yourself. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. You're gonna get this in a few minutes here. I wanna speak. We're, we're gonna get this in a few minutes. How? You've left out like practically all of the important information of this text. To you, this is a prophetic prescription for the current reality as we come out of these troubled times. I want to speak to you on the subject matter, messy miracles. Watch this mess become a miracle. Uh, what? Messy miracles, watch this mess become a miracle. The miracle that would need to occur here is for you to recognize you're twisting God's word and repent and apologize right now. That, that would be miraculous. And the subtext will be open your eyes to the new. Open your eyes to the new. Now, we're going to pause there. Okay, I've already said that this is one of my favorite, and I mean this, this is not hyperbole, one of my all-time favorite passages of scripture, John chapter 9. In fact, I would note, hang on a second here, apparently I don't know how to type, John 9. I would note that uh, if you've ever read, the, the, uh, heard a sermon where somebody says, oh, the scriptures say that, uh, that you know, that uh, the, 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 the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Christ came that we might have life and have it abundantly. That's John 10. Yeah, the, the context for that portion of John 10 is actually found here in John 9. You have to go all the way back to the beginning. So let's put this all back into context, 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 context. And I'm going to show you what he left out. And when we hear this story in context, you're going to note that what he is saying becomes patently obviously a twisting of God's word and not a message that God the Holy Spirit wants us to hear. So let, let's let's put this into context and let me add a little bit further context. All right, it's kind of a weird place to go. Why did John write these things? Why is the gospel of John written? 
Well, in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 30, here's what it says. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, these signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Why did John write his gospel? So that you'll believe in, tr in Jesus, trust in him, so that you might have eternal life in his name. That's the reason. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have faith in his name. Mm. That's your thesis statement. So all of that being said, let's come back then to John 9 and watch the presenting issue. So as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What kind of question is that? Well, you're going to note what the disciples are voicing is the false teaching of the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees, and they're going to come to play here in this text, in spades. The Pharisees taught, well, if you, if you, if you ha are born blind, if you're born mute, if you're born with a, a defect, oh, it's because you were steeped in sin. Of course, the Pharisees were the pretty rich people of Jesus's day, and they were heretics. And part of their theology was kind of like karma, you know, you get what you deserve. But see, the thing is, is that Sin has multiple consequences, and sometimes, this is God's prerogative, you know, people are born with issues for the purpose of the glory of God. You'll, you'll see that here. And so that, that's what the Pharisees, their, their false theology doesn't allow for that because they're self-righteous. So who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Say what? <laughs> we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. He anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. Now here's an important point. This blind man has not seen Jesus yet. He's heard his voice, but he hasn't seen him. All right? So keep that in mind. That's an important, vital bit of this, of this information. And so he woke up that morning, put on his clothes, brushed his teeth, combed his hair, like he did every day of his life. And he went to work begging for alms. And what, what, what crime did he commit? He didn't commit any crime. The thing he did was receive his sight as a gift from Jesus. So the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it's he. Others said, no, but he is like him. But he kept saying, no, I am the man. And they said to them, well, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said, go to Siloam and wash. So I went, I washed, and I received my sight. And they said to him, well, where is he? He said, I don't know. 
<laughs> he still hasn't seen Jesus. Well, at this point, I always like to say, whatever I teach on this text, at this point, the, uh, the music in the background of the movie starts to get ominous. And, you, know, you can almost hear the Imperial March from Star Wars. Dun, 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 now, it was a Sabbath day, <laughs> dun, 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 when Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes. So note here, Jesus never broke the law, the law of God regarding the Sabbath, never once. But he never kept <laughs> the, the rules that the Pharisees made up. Let's just put it that way. So now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how, him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, well, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Now, some of the Pharisees says, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now, important to note, Jesus always kept the Sabbath perfectly. He didn't keep the man-made rules of the Pharisees. Others said, well, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? Note that <laughs> Jesus' very existence and the things that he's doing from God, uh, it, it's inconsistent with their false theology. So then there was a division among them. So they said again to the uh, blind man, what, did you say, what do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? And he said, well, he's a prophet. Honest answer, honest answer. So the Jews did not believe him that he had been blind and that he had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. So at this point, you get to see them, get out of here. Let's talk to his parents. Maybe maybe we're, we're being punked here. You know, there's some kind of a weird, sick joke going on. Let's check to see if there's any hidden camera. Smile, you're on candid camera. Anyway, so that, that's what they're doing here. So they're, they're going to check to see if he's actually born blind, to see if this is actually true. And note here, Jesus' mirror miracles, whenever you fact check, <laughs> whenever you fact check, it turns out he actually did heal the person or he did rise from the dead. You get the idea. It's nothing like the, the so-called miracles of Todd White and others. So, so they brought in his parents and they asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? <laughs> That's not a safe question. How then does he now see? So his parents totally cave under the pressure, man. Well, he said, we know that this is our son. Yes, yes. And he was born blind, but how he now sees, we don't know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. Thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. So note the text says that his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, that he would be put out of the synagogue. I mean, let that sink in. Let, let this sink in. The religious leaders of Israel made it an excommunicable defense. You will be excommunicated if you confess that Jesus is the Messiah. But he is. That's the thing. He is the Messiah. He's the son of the living God in human flesh. Right? Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So for the second time, they've established, all right, so he was born blind, all right. So they, for the second time, they called the man 
who had been who had been blind and they said to him watch this give glory to god we know that this man's a sinner <laughs> they've already determined that jesus is a sinner believe me if jesus w- was a sinner then you and i are not saved we have no hope we will all stand before god and we will all end up in hell as we deserve jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are, and yet was without sin. And this was to save us. He is the spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, your sin and mine. Give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. Uh huh. So he answered, Well, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. Mm, can't take away what he knows is true, it's undeniable. He was blind. He now sees. So, you know, you you and your theological debate, if you really think Jesus is a sinner, yeah, well, this man basically says, I don't know anything about that. What I do know is I was blind and now I see. They said to him, so what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Dang. (laughs) I love this guy's guts. I mean, <laughs> what has he done to deserve all of this? N- nothing. He simply received his sight from Jesus. And Jesus is going to make an important point regarding this, what it means to be blind in the truest sense. Okay. So they reviled him saying, you are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. As for this man, we don't know where he comes from. So the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he can do nothing. Mic drop. Boom. (laughs) And with the mic drop comes the explosion. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And here comes all the vomit of their false theology. Now, it's absolutely true that scripture teaches that we're all born dead in trespasses and sins. That's not the reason why this fellow was born blind. It was born. He was born blind to demonstrate the work, the, the, the work of God in his life, the glory of God. You were born in under sin. You would teach us. So they cast him out. And here's the thing. By denying that they were born in sin, the Pharisees, <laughs> they show themselves to be beyond the pale as far as heretics are go. They are, they are way out there. You deny that you're born a sinner. <laughs> you, 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 you'll end up in self-righteousness almost every time. So you were born in utter sin and you would teach us so they cast him out. So he's excommunicated at this point. Excommunicated. Cast out of the synagogue. For what? <laughs> For being healed by Jesus and confessing that he's from God. And here's one of the, and this, is the, this portion of this text is the reason why this is one of my absolute most favorite portions of scripture. Because the text says, Jesus heard that they cast him out and having found him. So Jesus heard what happened. They cast him out. Did you hear what happened to that that man who was born blind? The the one you healed, right? 
The Pharisees just excommunicated him. And Jesus stops what he, whatever it was he was doing, and he seeks out this man. The man, this man is now being persecuted and being made to suffer and was excommunicated for receiving his sight from Jesus, his Lord and his God. So Jesus finds him. And remember, the man's never seen Jesus with his eyes. He says, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered him, who is he, sir, so that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you've seen him. It is he who's speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believed. I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Ah, appropriate thing to do, right? Because Jesus is his God. And Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. You see, that was really kind of the point there. The secondary point here is Jesus was demonstrating by giving sight to the man born blind. He was demonstrating that the Pharisees and their heresies were actually blind spiritually. For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who may see may become blind. Now some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, and watch what he does, he takes their theology and just shoves it up their nose. If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, leads them out. And when he has brought out all that is his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Here, Jesus is making it clear he is the, he's the good shepherd, and that the Pharisees, they were the ones who were the thieves and the robbers. Uh-huh. The, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's not talking about the devil. It's talking about false teachers, heretics like the Pharisees. So Jesus again said to them, truly I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me, they are thieves and robbers, the Pharisees. But the sheep, they did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I came that they have my, have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see the difference? Yeah. Once you put this in context, it is so comforting and assuring. It's also challenging because it convicts us of our own self-righteousness. How many times have we been guilty of looking down on somebody because, you know, they're a sinner. As if somehow you're not. You are. And so am I. And Christ came to save the ungodly by bleeding and dying for them. He lays down his life for his sheep. So let's repent of our self-righteousness and our false teaching and all the thieves and the robbers that we've listened to. Thieves and robbers like Sammy Rodriguez. And listen again to the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep by bleeding and dying for their sins on the cross so they could be forgiven and pardoned and righteousness be imputed to them so that they may have eternal life as a gift. 
keep that in mind. All right, so now you know what the text is about. Amazing passage. It is so good because Jesus is so good, the real one. Let's see what he does with this. All right, we continue. Messy miracles. Messy miracles. Let me, I'll talk about this book later on if we have time, but that's not the priority right now. So let me confess something. I am a bit OCD. My mind works in a very linear sequential manner. For all the Trekkies, I have stated this before, even in this conference, my first time I preach like Captain Kirk, but I process like Spock. So I find it to be a bit challenging to reconcile what I perceive as chaos with order. How can a miracle emerge out of a mess? This is why this biblical narrative speaks to me. I've lived it. So let me encourage you to do the following. If you're going to take any notes and good luck with that. Number one. Yeah, he's just springboarding. (laughs) Open your eyes to what you have never seen before. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. This man was not losing his sight. This man did not lose his sight. He never had it in the first place. He was born blind. This circumstance facilitates the environment for Christ to reveal a functional and ontological extension of the creative nature of providence. In other words, with the woman that had the issue of blood, he gave her back her health. With the invalid man at Bethesda, he gave him back his walk. With Lazarus, his buddy, he gave him back his life. But with this man, Jesus did not give him something he had. He gave him something he never had in the first place. So, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you might have life in his name. What are you talking about? The importance of this text has everything to do with the false teachers, the Pharisees, the self-righteous, the Pharisees, and the man who was given the gift of his sight by Jesus in order to demonstrate the blindness of the false teachers. There's a difference between God restoring something you had and God giving you something you never had in the first place. Our God is not just the God that restores. Our God is the God that will give you what you never had before. That's not what this text is about at all. He is the Lord of the new thing. What on earth are you talking about? Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I do a new thing. Do you not see it? And some of us focus and allocate and channel our time and getting back what we lost when we should be asking God to give us something we never had in the first place. has nothing to do with this text at all. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to go back to what we had before. <laughs> Manipulation technique. I don't want to go back to what I had before. And then he acts like, oh, you know, they didn't hear me. I'll say, say it louder. I want to repeat that for the hearing impaired. I don't want to go back to what we had before. I want to go... I want to step into something new for the glory of Jesus. I want to step into something. Grab your bingo cards, your prophecy bingo cards. Step into is a prophecy bingo word. This has nothing to do with stepping into anything. I think he just stepped into elephant poop. Step into a move, an awakening, a presence, a wineskin. An awakening, a presence, a wineskin. I think I got, I just got bingo. God is not interested in renovating your past. 
He is interested in releasing your future. Yeah, so no, what he did there, okay. He read selected portions that he hopscotched around from John 9, and now he's springboarded, ding, ding, ding. And, and now, he, you know, he's wowing everybody with his, you know, his acrobatics with twisting the scriptures. So here's the question we have to ask ourselves as we come out of this global pandemic. Are we ready to see what we have never seen before? What, what does this even mean? This has nothing to do with this passage at all. You sure you had the right number when God told you this is the message he wanted you to deliver? You sure you look at your phone, check to see if that was the 666 area code. Let me ask one more time. Are we ready to see what we have never seen before? Some of you may be saying, but Pastor Sam, before there was some good stuff, like we, like there was Azusa. Are we ready to see something even better than Azusa? Well, Pastor Sam, we had the Jesus movement. So does John 9 have anything to do with something better than Azusa? Azusa was a complete train wreck. Between 1967 and 75, are we ready to see something bigger and better than the Jesus movement? Shouting and yelling doesn't make this exegesis. Everything you're saying, none of it has anything to do with this text and what it really says and why John had it, why he wrote it down for us. These things are written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing we might have life in his name. What'd you do with Jesus, man? But what about the charismatic renewal where the Catholics were filled with the Holy Spirit and then the Lutherans? Are we ready to see all? Are we ready to see something greater than the charismatic renewal? I'm here to tell you I try. So, yeah, I, I think you get the point. No point in belaboring this at this point. So, when somebody does that, they, they hopscotch through a couple of verses, put a little context together, and just springboard, ding, ding, use the Bible as a diving board to, to launch off into whatever they want to talk about rather than what the text says. You're dealing with a wolf. You're dealing with a thief and a robber, somebody who Jesus is warning you against in John 9 and 10, somebody who is spiritually blind, who is deceiving you and taking advantage of you and making merchandise of you all for their own glory rather than preaching Christ and him crucified for our sins. I think you get the idea. So hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the description. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Amen.